0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Rafael Jacobin, Richard Hall and Mark Gordon. Welcome guys. Okay, so yes. we're going to get started with the uh, title race that's uh, obviously been going on this week in uh, Serie A and um, Juventus seems to take a step towards another uh, ninth straight title this weekend. Um, what were your thoughts on the game, Rich, between Juventus and Atalanta?
1: I think that Juventus, as always, I mean, if we look at it since the result that came back from the pandemic, I mean, you know, they, they just seem to find a way to win or even grab points. I mean, I wouldn't say that Juventus have played particularly well um, in a majority of these past games. Um, but you look at their title contenders, I'm sure, we'll go into that in more detail in the likes of Lazio and the likes of Inter. And, you know, we've seen them with some also poor performances, but not get it over the line. I think with the Juventus, the interesting thing for me is that they did enough almost to just get themselves, in my opinion, almost to the, to the finish line. Um, but it's quite telling about the result that I know you guys talked about before, games today against Milan. But against Atalanta in particular, what was interesting is that, you know, they're coming up against their biggest test, in my opinion. Atalanta, probably the best team on form in Europe at the moment, scoring certainly the most goals. And, you know, I mean, without getting into too much detail and no conspiracy theories whatsoever... Um, because for me, both penalties are justified, uh, they find a way to come back. So, in short, for me, they kept themselves in it, they do what Juventus do, and they're going to continue to roll on, it seems, because as I said before, that was a hardest test.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, Raphael, what did you make of the game? Because obviously, afterwards, uh, there was a lot of talk that Atalanta were quite unlucky, obviously, two penalties for Juventus' goal. But... Most people thought Ataland's controlled much of the game, but do you see the title races now being done given that Juve managed to snatch a point.
2: I, I would say it's over, yeah, because I think Juventus have got that consistency back and when you look at when you look at the teams behind them, Lazio are kind of in free fall right now. <laughs> Inter haven't really put together much of um haven't really put together a lot much consistency, even though they have had some some purple patches. And I think, yeah, it, it, it is what, what sets UV, sets Juve apart from these other teams, is that even, 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 even when they're not playing that well, which clearly was the case against Atalanta, they've still managed to grind out a, grind out a result, even if it was under controversial circumstances because of, because of how the penalties were given.
0: And so, um, obviously, at the time of recording, Atalanta played tonight, of course, but at the time of recording, Atalanta nine points behind with six games to go. It seems it's going to be a step too far for them this year, but Mark, what do you think to Atalanta next year? Do you see them perhaps being able to challenge even more and pulling off an unlikely Spedetto win next year?
3: I think it will be difficult for them, but I think um, a lot of respect from Atalanta's point of view is going to have to be there this year or next year. I think the makeup of their squad um, a few of their main players, Ilicic and Gomez, and both 32, I think, turn 33 next season. And I think they've got maybe another three or four turning into their 30s next season. So I think if they're going to do it any season, it would maybe have to be next season. Well, they've got that squad together at a a good age.
0: Yeah, it does seem to be the case. Um, As you say, their their main two players, you'd say Gomez and Ilicic, you've been... Outstanding for a few years now, both going into their 30. Okay, so if we just drop down the table slightly, Lazio had <clears throat> what can only be described as an abysmal week um, three straight defeats, um, you know, losing to Lecce and Sassuolo in the last two, both games they expect to win. What do you think's gone wrong for them, Rich? Why, why is it completely falling apart?
1: I think a couple of things, and um, to be honest, I, I was saying this from a long time ago with Lazio, that whilst I think they're probably one of the best coach squads in the division, with the, one of the best 11s in the division, it's uh, strength in depth, and I don't think the pandemic's helped them, because when the teams have come back, we've seen even a resurgence of Milan again, uh, just as an example, about a squad that has got players who can rotate a little bit, given the five substitutes, given what they can do. It's been quite interesting, because Lazio have tried to stick in Simone and Zoggi, because he has no real choice has tried to stick as much to that 11 as possible. I also think that there's a huge connection between Lazio and the fans, and I think they will have missed that as well. Um, and also, I think out of any team coming back out of the out of the break, should we say, they were expected to really push Juve. Um, momentum's massive for me in football, and so if you attribute this, the the squad depth, momentum, and the fact that I do think they missed their, their fans. Um, they they're a bit of a different team especially defensively and anyone who watched that game against Lecce i mean that is possibly one of the most crazy games i've seen this season so you know it's we compared Juve to you know doing the doing the, the bare minimum to get through lazio just uh haven't got enough in them to do it unfortunately and i mean that a lot
0: yeah i think a lot of people were really rooting for lazio to uh obviously they haven't won the league in 20 years but this is quite a likable team barring perhaps Patrick who hit someone last week. But um yeah, overall that they are a likable side. So it's it's been a shame for them. What what do you think um from your perspective has gone wrong, Rafael, have you got anything to, to add as to why, you know, they've lost four of six games in week?
2: I mean I think it, it is pretty clear which teams have benefited from the uh, from the break and which teams haven't. Especially, especially since after the break, you, you, they're playing three games, games a week. And obviously, Lazio just don't have the squad depth for, for, that kind of, for that kind of run, especially since they do really rely on that starting eleven, and not much else after that. So, yeah, you, you can tell that Juventus have, have made the most of it, have made the most of their squad depth to, to really, really kick on and secure the title.
0: Yeah, they have. Um, Lazio do since you only have about a 14 or 15 man squad, so as we've seen with the five subs that hasn't helped them, and they've had a few injuries as well. And so then we have the other team that perhaps well has any title contention, but perhaps it's a step too far for them now. Uh, into they got back to winning ways last night, but they've had a very sort of strange period since. Um, uh, since we came out of lockdown, uh, with some very inconsistent results, what do you make of them as as a whole season and since lockdown, Mark? I think it, it's a it's a more difficult one to put your finger on than
3: the Flatsio since the shutdown, um, in terms of where they've gone wrong. Over the whole season, they're probably around about where I would expect to be in their first season under under Conte, I think. Um, the the gap they're trying to bridge between um, where they were last season and Juventus is a, a huge gap, and I'm not sure it's um, one that can be kind of bridged over a course of a season. So I think come the end of the season they're probably going to be around about where I would have expected. But um, in terms of coming out of the break, I, I did think that we're going to push Juve a little bit more than they have, and I guess there'll be a bit of uh, a disappointment there that they haven't pushed on a bit.
0: Yeah, if you look at, so they're, they're eight points behind with six games to go. If you look at some of the games they have dropped points in, they really should still be in this title race, but they've only got themselves to blame. Um, Rich, what do you think, what do you make of their whole season? Are, are they where you expect them to be? Did you expect a bit more given that there was a lot of fanfare with Conte coming in and he made a lot of signs in the past?
1: Oh, I mean, it's difficult for me because the very close to, to my heart. And... Uh, I spent a lot of time in Milan and it's difficult because I think Mark made a really good point there in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of fanfare when Conte came in. And that was true. Um, But he said today, even, you know, well, sorry, he said last night, this is a three-year project in his mind. He's working closely with Beppe Marotta. you know, he's got to get players that he wants to have in. And he's obviously, we know, he's quite loud about that. The interesting thing for me for Inter was that they actually outshone what I expected of them in the early parts of the season. Uh, Just in the change of tempo, they actually seem to actually get rid of that Patsa-Inter tag, Um, but they tired before the break. And I think what can't be lost on this is before the pandemic break, there was a huge couple of games, especially against Juventus, against Lazio, which they lost. Um, And they were really looking leggy, looking tired at this point because of the way Conte wants them to play. The, the thing that I've struggled with a little bit after the break is that they've shown it in certain halves. Even if you look at last night's game, second half was exceptional. The first half they were wasteful. You know, Brescia was a one-off, but other games you can judge them. They're fifty percent good in one half, fifty percent in another. Um, but I do agree with the fact that you know, Inter to finish second this season is a good achievement for Conte's first season, and they can go in with the investment from the Suning group, get that squad right, um, and I think they can do it. I think they can push Juventus next year. I do think they need to keep their eye on the youth products that they've got and not overlook them. That's a whole different story. But overall, I think Inter finished second this season. I think Conte can be happy about that.
0: Yeah, I think um, Inter are probably the team to keep an eye on the most over this coming transfer window. I think there's going to be quite a lot of activity there. We'll we'll touch on that later in the show, actually. So, I now want to just dip down to the Europa League battle. This is looking quite interesting, actually. So, just moving across um, to the other Milan side, AC Milan, unbeaten since the restart. Pioli really doing a good job. Got a a respectable point against uh, Napoli on the weekend. What did you make of that game, Raphael?
2: I think it's, it was symbolic of how how well Pioli is doing since since the break. He, he's been he's been doing a very good job because when you consider that he is, I mean, he is basically on the way out at the end of the season, and he's he set he set his team up very well to um, to attack on the counter and to use his um his his midfield his midfield very well, especially when you look at how Paqueta has sort of researched since the uh since since the uh, restart so i would i would say I'm, i am impressed with how Ham- milan doing and it'll be interesting to see how ralph ragnick actually comes in and builds on that because whether he'll whether he'll sort of break down what pioli's built and start fresh with his own ideas or actually build on that with the signings that he wants to bring in
0: yeah i think um yeah, as, as we've spoken on the last couple of shows about Pioli and how he's done about as well as he could have, I think. Um, and obviously, I think someone who else has been, who's really stood out in the last few games has been Font Kessier. Um, he obviously sort of, um, he's had quite a bit of stick for end product. You know, he makes those first-in runs through midfield and sometimes loses his composure, but he's looked good in recent weeks what, what do you make of him? Um, what could possibly be next for him, do you think, Mark? Um, Do you expect him to get another big job, or might he have to drop back down to sort of mid to lower half of Serie A for his next Um, role?
3: I'm not entirely sure. It's a kind of done deal that that he'll leave. I don't know if there's perhaps a suggestion that he might stay on, Um, but I'm not sure how that would work Um, along with Ranyek. I like Pioli, I wanted him to do really well at Fiorentina. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I was kinda disappointed how things went for him there. And again, going into Milan, I was hoping he would do really well there. Um and yeah, the turnaround's been quite drastic. I think there were one win and six going into the break, and they've come out with four wins and two draws and six afterwards. So I think the breaks really came a kind of good time maybe for them and he's maybe used that break well and it's certainly kind of lifted his kind of, um, chances of getting another job if he goes on. Um, and if he does move on, I think it's likely he is going to be kind of middle to bottom half of the table. I don't think he's going to be a, a top six club, but I certainly think he's got the ability to lift maybe one of the teams in the bottom, bottom half up towards the Europa League places if any of those jobs are available in the summer.
0: Yeah, it, w- yeah, it will be interesting, perhaps there could be a role a lot alongside Rannick as you said um, Rich what do you think uh, with Milan are there any players that you see who you think will really suit Rannick's style or perhaps that he might look to dispose of when he comes in as as looks to be the case um, at the end of the season
1: Yeah I think with Ralph Rannick I think it's going to be a very interesting part of the time because I think Milan are going to have to have a lot of patience because you know this is a guy who's coming in to try and replicate the model that he's done at Leipzig or at um, at Salzburg, for instance. And that's a huge undertaking to... Politically, Milan's a huge club uh, that's going to have to change in the way it thinks. But when you talk about the, the way the type of football he plays, I suppose players like Rebic, it fits perfectly. I think we've seen him really develop in the last couple of weeks. You mentioned Frank Kessier before. Um, you know, uh, to Hernandez, hand, there's players like that, I think, will really... Suit that style of play, but um, again, we're talking about projects. This is going to be something that's not going to happen overnight for Milan, and I think that they're going to have to readjust their thought process in the fact that this isn't going to be a team now that's going to go and challenge for the Champions League in two years' time. This is a team that's going to be challenging for the top four in for in for the next couple of years because it's a whole different way of thinking for Milan, and potentially with the new stadium, the way things are coming potentially coming in anyway. Um, you know, it's turning Milan into a modern football club. Um, and as we know in Italy, there aren't that many of those. So it's a different project. Milan fans have to have patience. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for, for me. I'm quite excited for him personally. And just on a very one quick point. Don Pioli, um, I think that, you know, you guys are right. That sort of, I'd like to see him take on the, the likes of some sort of a, a more of a mid-table side again because I do think he's a little bit limited as a coach. But he he does get the best out of players. Uh, what he's got around him. So, someone, you know, I'm going to just use Udinese or General or Torino, uh, a team like that, I'd love to see him um, have a go at that and try and move them further at the table.
0: Yeah, there certainly are a few of those sides, that, as you said, they're sort of underachieving down the bottom half, and perhaps the only could bring them up towards the Europa League place. So someone like that, that's a challenge for him. Um, another side who changed manager midway through the season, uh, Napoli, again, Gattuso. Did well. Perhaps I think most people thought Napoli just about edged the game on the weekend. Although a, a draw was a fair result. Um, do you think Napoli can possibly get back in the title mix next season, Raphael? Or is it more likely that they will perhaps be just aiming to get back in the top four next
2: year? I, th- I think they can kick on and try and try and challenge for the title because when you look at how they've been, just how how much they've changed in the second half of the season, I think Gattuso really has. Just breathing new life into that team, he's really—I mean, he's figuratively give, given them a kick off the backside. Really, when you look at when you look at the the um, sort of the levels of levels of effort that they've been putting in in games compared to the Ancelotti era. And I think what he what he's changed as well is the fact that the um, the players have sort of they actually buy into the project now whereas under onchioty there was that mutiny there was a lot of discontent among the players now he's got he's got Mertens renewing he's got potentially potentially more more renewals on the way so i think i think he's definitely got sort of the resources to to build on a, to build a proper title challenge next year
0: yeah it will be interesting obviously whether Koulibaly stays or not could impact that as well um, the other side in the top seven, of course, is Roma. Um, they've too, they they've had a, do, a bit of a dodgy period after the restart, but they did win both their games over the past week against Parma and then against Brescia. Um, are, are they positive signs for you, Mark, or are you a little bit worried about the direction Roma are heading in? They seem to be slipping out of the top four the last couple of seasons and more towards Europa League play. Yeah, they've had a really strange season, Roma. They seem to go
3: and Kind of fits and bursts. They'll go on a run of four wins, and then they'll go maybe three, four games without a win. And it's they've never really properly got got the wheels turning for a long period of time, um, and that's really hampered them. Really, that's why they're not pushing for the Champions League places. They're just lack of consistency. Um, I, I guess um, they're they're working the transfer market. It's going to dictate whether they can push back up into the top four next season or not. <laughs> Um, with the squad they've got just now, I would say no, because as you said, they seem to be kind of going backwards. Um, so I think there's some work to do there in, um, in the transfer market
0: between now and the start of next season. Yeah, I think you'll be interested to see. I'm, I'm not sure how much money they're going to give to Fonseca this summer. So. That could be quite interesting, but yeah, Roma. I'm I'm a little concerned that they're that they're going to keep slipping away. Um, in terms of teams that could break into the Europa League mix, we've got Sassuolo, who have seemingly come from nowhere. Really, much of the season they've been sort of twelfth or thirteenth, but they're up to eight, and Hellas Verona in ninth. Which do you see either of those teams perhaps moving up alongside the likes of Roma, Milan, and Napoli to snap seventh spot?
1: It's difficult. It's difficult this season. Maybe, maybe, you know, but like you say, it's all born on Milan and Roma at the moment. But Roma are what? Uh, yeah, they're, they're far clearer of Sassuolo. So really the only feasible one would be Milan. Listen, Sassuolo um, can have that ability to sort of maintain themselves in that position. We've seen the likes of Boga this season be ac- exceptional. Uh, Caputo has, if I can just really look at that, I think somewhere around 17 goals this season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, it's incredible. Domenico Baradi's what an interesting one for me. He's got 12 goals this season, and he's the most inconsistent player for me. That's you know, you look how many teams have been linked with Berardi. um, and it's, it's fantastic, but no one ever goes for him because, well, for a start, he doesn't want to move. I mean, I've never known, you know, this is the most unambitious footballer I've ever, ever, ever known of, well, ever heard about. You know, he's incredible talent, but again, inconsistent. So, so solo, we'll, keep, we'll keep hold of him, and so I see them doing pretty much the same thing. You know, they they're very good at the way they look at their um, their infrastructure. They're very good at the way they look at purchasing players in the summer. So they they potentially next season will be about the same place. Hellas Verona, for me, I think it's been just an exceptional season. I, I see it as a one-off. I don't see that as something that's going to going to be potentially going to repeat itself. So. It's interesting because when you look at those top sides and you guys talk very eloquently about them, especially when you look at the likes of... I mean, Roma are the probably ones in danger there uh, in in some respects because the ownership situation, we've got the situation where Fonseca stay or or go. Uh, Because of that, you know, he's been targeted as by Pallotta to make the most out of the players that he's got. I argue that he's not doing that. Uh, Gattuso, unbelievably, is playing some fantastic football, Sariesque football in, in Naples. And the other teams above we've mentioned as being far out and away. So, at the moment, there's not a team after we talk about Roma and Napoli that, for me, is going to really break in there, especially if Milan have this uh, Ragnette revolution. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Verona's been a particularly interesting one because I remember how shocking they were last time in Syria. They yeah. were a couple of years ago. But this year, the likes of Ramani, Kumbula, Amrabat. I think Amrabat, I'm excited to see him play for Fiorentina next year because yes. he's been one of the best midfielders in the league this season, undoubtedly. Okay, so now if we switch to the very bottom of the table, it um, seems fairly clear here. We've got two sides down, and brescia Then we've got quite an exciting fight. Um, over the past couple of weeks, we've still, we seem to think that Lecce are going to be the ones to go down, but they've got four points over the last week. Have you revised your opinion at all, Raphael? Or do you still think they're the ones to go? Uh, no, I
2: think I think they will be the ones the ones that go. Then I can't really see them overtaking either Genoa or, or Torino. Genoa have actually won this this weekend, which is which is taking them uh, I think is six points clear of the uh, the relegation zone. Yeah. And then you have Torino, who even if they are very Bellotti dependent, I think they have got what it takes to to steer themselves clear. So. Um, personally, I'm not really giving Lecce much of a chance to stay up. I think that's the, the relegation zone is done and dusted.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I think ahead of last week, Lecce they just concede far too many goals, but they have had a very positive week. Um, and yeah, I I worry a bit for Torino. You know, yesterday they were handed a goal and they still got. And dominate in the second half. What, what about you Mark how do you see it down the bottom end of the table do, do you think um, the likes of Torino, Udinese, Genoa could get dragged into that bottom three I,
3: I feel a wee bit for Torino they've been in a, a terrible run their kind of bad run seems to be longer than the other teams down there in terms of <clears throat> games without wins, I think two wins in the last 13 games um, they're they're kind of going backwards faster, whereas Lecce have kind of been down there for the most part. Um, points on the board, so at this stage of the season, are what's important, and there are a good few points clear of Lecce, and I think the the gap's going to be too much for Lecce to make up. I think, but uh, yeah, I fear for Torino, and you know they've got Genoa later in, in the week. it will be a really big game, and if they don't pull themselves out by winning that game, then maybe they can't be
0: sucked back in. Yeah, I think um, certainly, obviously, last season, we had Fiorentina, who were a goal away from going down. and Torino are sort of that team who, you know, last year, they made the Europa League, obviously, or knocked out in qualifying rounds this season. But it doesn't seem to be such a thing as too good to go down anymore. Um, what, what do you think... Um, Rich, do you, do you think the Torino are in a bit of trouble or do you, do you expect them to get out of there?
1: I think I'm going to expect them to get out of it. I mean, I really, like you say, there's not much in it when you look at the point difference. I mean, Torino 34, let's say what 29. It's probably a bit too big a gap to claw back. And then you look at it and Genoa, for me, are always one that I worry about. I've got soft spot for Genoa as a club and I just find that, you know, with the likes of Pinamonti up front. And who's he's just looking to start showing what he can do. Pairing back in goal. I think it has been brilliant, actually, since he's come back. Even though um, he's never perfect. But more than anything, the likes of Gordon Panda coming, You know, just seems to love these little, not just cameo roles, but good parts of the game. And, and to try and get Genoa back into him. I think they've got just a little bit too much. You guys mentioned Belotti. siligo as well. You know, that squad... Although they're on a poor, poor, poor run of form, I just believe there's too much quality. Um, for me, Udinese as well. I've been really impressed with Udinese since the break, even though I know it's not been brilliant, but they've got two wins and a, and a draw. I think the likes of Rodrigo de Paul has been superb. And they're actually, I mean, the game they played against Spal was genius. The way they let Spal come onto them and they countered them brilliantly. Lecce, we look at that win, and I know they got a draw last time out, but that game against Lazio, I mentioned it before, was just chaos. You can't analyse that. It, it, was, it was nuts. So I'm going to go with Rafael as well, with by Lecce going down, and I know, but I do agree with Mark as well. Torino do need to pull it around, but I just think there's too much quality.
0: I'm, I'm going to go slightly against the grain. I've got a feeling Genoa might go down this year. I know they've been stuck there the last couple of years. And uh, I looked through that squad, there's quite a few hours So we'll we'll see how that goes. Revisit that in a couple of weeks, anyway. Okay, I wanted to touch on uh, the late drama that we had this weekend, Raphael. So obviously, late goal for Fiorentina against Parma. That sort of, any sort of chance that Parma had to maybe push for Europa League, that seems to have gone now. And, no, sorry, uh, Fiorentina was against Verona. Uh, Palmer scored twice against Bologna in added time. Um, Do you think that was sort of an example of how entertaining Serie A has been since the lockdown? You know, there's been some slow games in other leagues, but Serie A really seems to have picked back up where it left off. Would would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, it feels like Serie A is just carrying on, carry on with that sort of entertainment factor. I think in general this season, Serie A has proved a lot of the stereotypes wrong, you know, because... A lot of non a lot of people who don't watch Serie A will say that it's a very defensive league that's very very poor. But when you look at the the quality of the attacking football that a lot of teams are playing this season in Serie A, it's it's really it's probably above a lot of um, a lot of teams in other leagues. I think the quality of the style of play especially of a lot of mid table teams in, in Serie A. You look at Sassuola, for example is a lot higher than in other European leagues of the, of the same level. It's
0: definitely... Yeah, I
2: I... Sorry, go on, Raphael. Yeah, no, as I was, I was going to say, yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely proving a lot of doubt is wrong.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's quite a few teams in the league to have a soft spot for, which really sort of shows how good quality the league is. As you said, the teams like Sathwa all over, really do play some good stuff at times. Um, Okay, so just looking ahead to the upcoming week, another busy week, midweek round, starting tonight and continuing on through to Thursday and then the weekend. Mark, are there any games that stand out for you that you think are must watch?
3: I mentioned the Torino-Genoa game earlier on um, Thursday night. That's a a big one in terms of um, if either team lose that game for confidence going forward, it's probably going to make them the most likely team catchable by Lecce if to get beat. So, really, I think the winner from that game might just make themselves safe. Um, and the loser might just have something to worry about. So, I think from the midweek round, um, that's one that stands out.
0: Yeah, it seems to be the one. Right. Yeah, there's, de- there's definitely some interesting ones. What, what about um, you, uh, Rich? Uh, are there any that stand out for you personally?
1: Well, I agree with Mark that Torino and Genoa is the the biggest game of the week, just for every reason you said there. Uh, But there's two more that I'm interested in. That's both involved in the Roman clubs. I think that we've talked about Roma already and the fact that, you know, their form is indifferent. They can play, you know, they can play very expansive and quick football at times and other times look very, very disjointed. And we just talked, you see yourself mentioned Verona as well. I think that could be a little upset on the cards there, even if it's in the Stadio Olimpico, because we know the percentage of away wins. It's sort of irrelevant without the fans now sort of switching. So I'm talking of the um, Roman teams, obviously Lazio, you can free fall at the moment. And I always al- already alluded to Udinese, Udinese sorry, uh, tactically, I thought they were brilliant against Val. Uh The sort of mentality that Lazio will go into this game, I think they've already conceded now that they're done and dusted with this title race and uh, Udinese you want to make sure they're going to get clear. I could see all that looks like at there. So, both the Roman teams, for me, I'm keeping an eye on.
0: Yeah, certainly, Uh, looks to be a couple of very interesting games coming up there. So, just the final section of the show, we're going to move to any potential transfer news coming through. And, Rich, I want to stay with you, first of all, because we're going to talk about Inter's business. Um, mm. So, obviously, they signed Takemi a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they're heavily linked with the likes of Sandro Tonali, Emerson Palmieri, Malang Sars come in in the last couple of weeks. But also they could lose Lautaro Martinez, still heavily linked with Barcelona. And what's emerged over the last sort of 24 hours is Milan's Scrinia could be on his way. What 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 do you make of, of the ingoings and outgoings that could
1: happen? I'll just put the Scrinia one to bed first. It's re- that's a really strange one for me because Conte's always been very complimentary of him and Beppe Morota has always said that he's one of the backbones of the club so I find that strange I don't know where that's coming from maybe it's his people maybe it's been the way that uh, things have gone recently and he hasn't had the best couple of performances after the break but even so it's no way to, to go it looks like Tignoli might, looks like it's almost like a done deal despite that late interest from Milan um, you know Beppe Marotta has been very very confident in talking about that and we've seen with him before that he doesn't normally I expose himself about transfers unless he thinks there's almost a hundred percent chance he can do that, with whether he's at Juventus or at um, Inter. So that's what makes me confident about Tonoli and also uh, Emerson Palmieri. That, that looks like it's a real possibility as well. My concern for Inter, actually, um, as I, t- I mentioned before, is whilst Conte definitely looking for that team to win now, and that's why you see the likes of Edgeco Giroud and people like that linked. There's almost uh, – it's a bugbear of mine with Inter that they overlooked their youth system, and they've done it for years. Um, it looks now that uh, Esposito is going to get now signed up when there's an issue with his contract, which is great. You look at that Italian field, if Tonali comes in, it looks really good. Um, looks exceptional. Um, so I think Inter, like you said before, going to be very, very busy this summer. There's the uh, – the situation with Handanovic and his replacement, who obviously Handanovic isn't going right away, but it's whether that'll be uh, Inut Radu, who's coming, who's already coming back from um, Genoa, or whether it's going to be Juan Musso from Udinese. So that's one to keep an eye on. Um, but also as well, you've got the huge issue with Pinamonte, where, uh, you know, Andrea Pinamonte, Genoa uh, looked like they may consider an offer for, from Juventus for him, but Inter have a gentleman's agreement to take him for £21 million beforehand. I think Juve are kind of doing that to force it into his hand in some respects. So there's a lot going on with that club. But the biggest one, as you mentioned, is Lautaro martinez Those reports change every day. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, when you think of how quickly he's built himself up at Inter, how, you don't just lose Martinez, you lose the rapport that he has with Lukaku as well. Um, my argument would be that With the Sunin group now, Inter don't necessarily need to sell him for £112 I think this is all going to depend on whether he pushes that through with the agent and whether Barcelona can um, put enough players into that mix to attempt Inter to part with him. So, yeah, massive summer for
0: Inter. Yeah, I think I've heard like Junior Firpo could be part of that deal. Yeah, coming the other way, so that's a possibility. Um, but, yeah, it looks, looks set to be a really interesting summer for Inter. Um, I think the last few weeks have sort of proved that some of their fringe players aren't really good enough at the moment. I know the likes of Roberto Gagliardini gets a lot of stick, and Jorge Valero is now well into his 30s. So, we'll see how that pans out. What about, um, Rafael, we talked quite a bit about Milan in the last few weeks. Um, have you heard anything more about possible signings coming their way or, or players that might be on their way out of the club?
2: I mean, from what I'm seeing from the rumors, it does seem like um, Dominic Silversley is going to be imminent. His signing is going to be it's going to be soon, and it, I think he'll be the first in a sort of a long line of of maybe not all bigger uh, big money transfers, but there will be an emphasis on getting big names because I think Milan are going to have a sort of um they will they will have a sort of shift in their transfer policy because you're gonna go from having Maldini as as a technical director who really has been specializing in getting some getting some really astute deals like the one with Salamakas. they managed to they managed to get in for six point five million euros after um after making the loan deal permanent but I think now with with Ralph Ragnick actually taking on a sort of joint manager and technical director role. So he'll be he'll be sort of um he'll be in charge of transfers. He'll have a bit big say in transfers at least. He'll have sort of that sort of that role you see a Premier League manager having, where they've actually got more of a say on how the team is built. And he'll yeah he'll definitely want to sort of get get his um get his transfer targets in, and that will include. That will definitely include Sobos From what I'm seeing, Sobos is top of his list, really. And then you add in, you add in the likes of Patrick Schick as well, who's, who's very likely as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It looks, it looks to be an interesting summer for both Milan clubs coming up. If we turn our attention to Juventus, a, a few different rumours coming out. Obviously, they're still linked with Jorginho, who Sarri seems to take with him everywhere. So... We may see him. Um and they're also I've seen links with a couple of Atalanta players, so Robin Gossens and um even Duvan Zapata has got mentioned mention in the last couple of days. Do you think any of those deals would go through for Juventus and um would they would they be good signings for the club, Mark?
3: Yeah, I think um I don't think Sade's I don't think Juventus are quite with <laughs> Juventus yet. I think he's still Transitioning from last season, um, and I think Jorginho would be a big part of that. You know, it's a player he's familiar with, and he doesn't really have anyone at Juve that's as a good in that role as Jorginho is. So I, I would imagine he'd be his main uh, target for the for the summer, just with him moving forward. Their their kind of style, um, Atalanta as well. I mean, I think the, the, you'd expect the vultures to be circling around them as a squad anyway, because there's so much kind of talent through them. Um, perhaps the older players that we mentioned earlier on won't be as high as people like us, just given their age. But I think um, Pat has won. It's proven a goal scorer. Um, he turns 30 this year, so again, an older player, maybe Juventus might be looking at someone a, a little younger um, if they're going to go out and splash big money.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, as you say, with Atalanta, people will be looking, but I, I, I've sort of been thinking Gossens is the most likely to leave, given how well he's done this season. The, the Zapata rumour sort of took me slightly by surprise, but let's we'll see how that plays out. So, Richard, any any more transfers that have sort, sort of caught your eye from any of the other bigger clubs that could possibly happen this summer?
1: I think just to top up on what the guys are saying, I think that it's uh, a lot of it's going to be influenced on not just your normal rumor mill. I mean, you know, Rafael mentioned about Rafael Ranić. I mean, if he's coming in, in which we know he's got complete control over the medical department, the technical director, the manager's, coach's job. Sorry, um, then he will already be dictating about exactly what he wants from that. You look at Atalanta. I don't as as Mark mentioned there. You know, I think that you've got a situation where Gasperini will struggle to hold on to one of those players or two of those players, but also as well, it may be the time to let a couple of them go because you look at the age of like the guys mentioned, of someone, I wouldn't let Papu Gomez go ever. But even so, you know, you look at that. um, And these players are all huge values on them now. They can regenerate. And what's really interesting for me about Atalanta is that for years, they've always relied on their youth system. Over the last three years, they've had a really, really dry spell. So this this is why Atalanta is so incredible for me, is that they've put together this team that isn't consistent of a lot of their youth team. They've got a fantastic under-19, under-20 squad coming through. So I think they can even replace some of these players without spending that money. So they could be a huge regeneration. And like you say, we don't know what's happening with Roma. The ownership's going to dictate that. And again, I think the most interesting club for me, and we are only talking top half here at the moment, is Juventus because... I look at that squad, and like you mentioned about Inter before, there's a few players who need to potentially leave, and they need to regenerate. You, they've not found that field whatsoever. It's not. It's amazing to say that about a team who's going to win the Scudetto pretty much. But you know, you look at some of the players there. Uh, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, what a season he's had. Uh, but you've got the players that they really. How are they going to regenerate? Who are they going to focus it around? It's going to be really, really interesting. And finally, if we are talking in the top half, um, you know, you've got the obvious players who are continually linked. What's going to happen to milinkovic Savage? What's going to happen to Federico Chiesa? You know, these are players that are continually linked. You mentioned Koulibaly before. Now it, we could go on and on. I just think it's one of the biggest summers we're going to have in a while for City, because a lot of these teams, you know, uh, sorry to go on, but Inter regenerated, where are Milan? Sari's still not out of Napoli, even though he is, but he can't get into Juve. There's so much going on. Everyone's in a bit of limbo. And I think there's going to be a lot of movement now to really take those teams to the next stage. And I think next season we'll be talking a lot more about the coaches because they'll have been backed in the window to, uh, to really set themselves up for next season. And the attention will turn on to them.
0: I, th- I think it, it's interesting that you mention now it will be so key how Juventus do this summer because I, I think this season they've been so reliant on the individual brilliance of the likes of Ronaldo and Dibala, and what we saw on the weekend was that Atalanta are a much better all-round side, although they do have brilliant individuals in and Gomez, everyone plays their part and knows their role and I don't get the feeling that's the case so yeah we'll, we'll see how that plays out well That concludes the show today, guys. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining me. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed it. And um, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.